0: I need to focus because we're talking about peace this morning. But before we do, uh, as we were worshiping, uh, I was thinking about Isaiah 6. uh, Starting in verse 5, it says, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me and put his hand on a glowing cola that had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Now this has touched your lips. Your wickedness is removed and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. We were worshiping and, and, and just pouring in and, and focusing on the awesomeness of God. I felt like that was his question. Is... Is will this worship lead to effective action? Will it lead you to go? I will go. I will do something about this. Um, so I want to pray with us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your joy, your hope, the love that you have that caused you to just change everything, the goodness. To come to us in our moment of need. The love to not be concerned with your own well-being, but to seek us. The joy that you have for us. That says, come, my son, my daughter, and receive hope. I thank you for your love and your mercy, Jesus. I give you praise. Amen. Um, so like I said, this this morning we're talking about peace and I wanted to sit because, um, a couple things. One, this has probably been one of the hardest messages I have ever prepared, honestly. And it, uh, there's a few reasons for this and I'm going to tell you why. One, because I am obsessed with God's peace and his hope and his love and his goodness like that. I love the peace of God. I love it so much. I have Shalom tattooed here on my arm. My shoes say, seek peace. I love the peace of God. So how do you talk about something that you are so in love? Like, it'd be like somebody saying, describe Julie. That's my wife, by the way. I'd be like, oh my goodness, where do I even start? It's hard when there's so much to talk about. And it's hard when it's such a uh, something that, that, that sits deeply within us. It, it's something that is just, it, it permeates our entire body when we have the peace of God. And it's hard when we have to face the reality of the situation that we live in a broken world. That, that if you watch the news, you see brokenness before you all the time. If you go outside and you, and you leave your, your, the safety of your area, you see brokenness all around you and you don't see a lot of peace. It's hard to talk about peace when the reality of the situation is there are many people who suffer with clinical depression. Who, who, who suffer from, from imbalances. There are people who struggle with anxiety disorders, who can't just say, okay, I'll, I'll claim that peace of God. I'll take it. There are people who have trauma, years and years of trauma that they've got to work through in order to fully experience the peace of God. This is hard. So I want to say, if you fall into any of those categories... There are going to be some things I mentioned today where it's going to, it could sound like condemnation. It could sound like Mike just doesn't understand. I'm telling you, if that's how you feel when I get to these parts, I am not talking to you. Check Facebook. Check Twitter. Do something else, if that's what you're going to think. I'm not talking. It's understandable that there are some people who struggle with saying so deeply that they are not going to be able to do receive the peace of God in certain ways. It's still available to you. But you might not be able to grasp it as fully as you even desire to. It would be like this. Um, I like to bake. I'm horrible at it. Uh, But I enjoy doing it. But my problem is I don't follow a recipe very well. I get very confused when I follow a recipe. My wife will tell you. I I made cookies last night and asked her 20 times to help me. (laughs) I struggle with that. That's something I struggle with. But here's the thing is I can do it. I have a stove that works. I have the ingredients. I, I have the ability to read. I have the ability to follow the recipe. I have the time to do it. There are some people where you're struggling with certain things, and I can give you a recipe on how to do it, but you don't have a stove. You can't make those cookies. Okay? So just really want to clarify and hammer that home, that if at any point it sounds like I'm saying something to you, I'm not. It's for the rest of us, myself included. Luke Luke 2.14. The angels come and say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom his favor rests. The good news, the gospel, is that the king has come and that peace on earth is now present because the prince of peace is here. This is, this is amazing news. This is centuries of people waiting. Waiting. For this moment, the Messiah has come. And again, there's so much to say about this because, depending on your Bible translation, you've got between 266 and 420 references to peace in the Bible. There, there's a lot that can be looked at. Then there is the very difficult aspect of peace, of the, the, the now and not yet fulfillment of peace. Right, So when when the gospel came and and Jesus came on earth, the gospel broke through. Jesus inaugurated the coming kingdom of God. But its full measure is not here yet. George Ladd in his book, The Gospel of the Kingdom, says, The kingdom of God belongs to the age to come, yet the age to come has overlapped with this age. We may taste of its power and thereby be delivered from this age and no longer live in conformity to it. Now, if we think about peace in these terms as well, there will come a time when perfect peace is coming, when Jesus comes and restores the earth and brings a new heaven on earth, that there's no more stars in the sky because he lights up in his brilliance and, and our glory is God's glory is all around us, lighting up everything. And that fullness is there. That's what we're looking forward to. We're looking forward to Revelation 21. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will cease to exist or exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. There is coming a day when we don't have to worry about pain, when we don't worry about loss, when when nothing is, is... is able to bring us down because we are existing in perfect peace with God. That's the advent we're looking forward to. We're looking forward to that day when Jesus comes back. But today, we still live in a broken world. Today, we still live with overdue bills. Today, we still live with car problems. Today, we still live sometimes in strife with our neighbors. But the beautiful thing is, we have access to the peace That will come in full measure today. We can taste it. We can feel it. We have a promise of it. It's available to us. But what is peace? Well, in the Old Testament, it's shalom, usually. And it's more than just, um, like... it's not just like peace, like the absence of striving, right? But it's, it's peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, tranquility. In the New Testament, a lot of times it's used, and it means like security and safety and prosperity and intense happiness. It, it's the idea that it's not this abstract thing. It's an internal wellness that sits inside of us. And that's one of the things I struggled with so much with this week, with this message is, uh, I was joking, not joking, but I told a couple people, I rewrote half this message last night. I'm looking through it, and I'm like, I just I can't get it all. This whole week, I've been struggling with not a lot of peace. Will and I were joking last week about grace. If you're going to talk about grace, get ready. Because God's going to like, let's make sure you understand this. <laughs> if you're going to talk about it, you're going to need to understand it thoroughly. So I've been wrestling all week. And, 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 and I get it in measures, and then I feel like it goes away. And what I I was coming to realize is I've got to keep returning to the source of my peace. I've got to keep turning back to Jesus and going, I need it right now, Jesus. I need your peace right now. Because when the angels came to make the announcement that the Messiah had come, they were coming to announce that complete wellness and wholeness is available to God's people. It is available. So while we're waiting for the external to come, we embrace the internal that exists now. There is peace with God because of Christ, our Prince of Peace. He brought it. He gives it. He sustains it. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We have peace as God's people. The world's crazy. We know this. Newsflash, you're crazy. <laughs> you know, a friend of mine once said, You know, we complain about society a lot, but we are society. And I'm like, You know what? I don't like your attitude. <laughs> There's craziness around us all the time. But what does Jesus say? Jesus does not promise an easy life. Instead, Jesus makes it clear in this world, you will have trouble. But peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And I do not give it as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We have peace. You have access to peace. It is yours. Now here's where, remember, I spent all that time clarifying in the beginning. I'm not talking to you. Maybe if you don't have the peace of God, it's because you're struggling to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of for you. We, we, we look to God and we blame God real easy sometimes when the problem is, is we're not the ones grabbing what he's already said you can have. If I tell Walt, hey, I call Walt. I'm like, hey, I've got $1,000 sitting here for you. All you got to do is come over and get it. If Walt never comes and gets that money, is that my fault? Him. I told him you can have it. You just have to come take hold of that, which I've already taken hold of for you. You just have to come get what I have for you to have. Now, it would be different if I tell Walt, hey, I've got $1,000 for you. You've got to come get it. But I know that he can't walk and doesn't have a car. Then that would be on me. But that's not God. God's saying, I have peace for you. Come have it. Just accept it. I, I, just, I want to give it to you. You just have to take it. Ours to take hold of. Ephesians talk about uh, talks about the fact that we have been blessed in heaven with every spiritual blessing. How many of the things of God do we not have because we don't take hold of it? I want those things. I want us to, to covet those things, to desire those things, to be willing to throw everything else aside, to say, no, I will take hold of the peace of God because he has it for me. I will take hold of the joy of God because he has it for me. I will seek these things. I will take these things. I will guard them. I will hold them. And I will give them away. And that moves me on to this other part. Because of that, because of the fact that we can have it and that it is ours, we are called to be peacemakers. Jesus says in Matthew 5 9 that blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called children of God. Now, I like the way it reads in a French translation. It says that uh, blessed are those who uh, are the les artisans de paix. Sorry, my French is horrible now. Right? Here's what that means Blessed are the artisans of peace, those who craft it. Those who, who work towards it. right? Blessed are those who, who work towards peace, who are able to craft it in difficult situations. Who, who when the world is causing chaos, when, when things are flipped around, when, it, when a tornado comes through, when everything's just upside down in your life, Jesus says, blessed are those who craft peace in those situations. Why would he say that? Unless that's something that's actually attainable. Why would he say that unless that's something we can actually do? I could go on to a big discussion about the Beatitudes. I have at times. I love to talk about the Beatitudes. I hold a very aggressive stance on the Beatitudes. <laughs> I will explain that. Not right now. But Jeff, we will, we will talk. I'll be here after service. we get together. We'll have a little study. But Jesus says it because that is something we can be is makers of peace. So that that when the outside world looks at us, the so-called followers of Christ, they should see us as artisans of peace, crafters of it, those who can distribute it in difficult situations. In order for peace to exist on this side of, of, of the age to come, there has to be chaos and darkness. For light to exist on this side of eternity, we have to have darkness. That's, then we're the ones who go into that darkness and bring the peace and the light. That's our job. So like sometimes we look around and we're like, I don't understand why everything is so bad around me. Maybe, again, just a maybe, God's saying, because I want you as an, as an agent of peace to be in that difficult situation, And if we could get that perspective, which is hard. I spent a lot of time this week fighting against that. But at the end, what am I going to do? Like, Jesus, no thanks. I'll take all the other stuff you have for me. I just don't want to do the hard stuff. I'll take all the blessings, Jesus. Just don't put me somewhere where I actually have to shine for you when really I want to yell at somebody. In order to be the agents of peace, we have to be in chaos. Which brings me to what a life marked by peace can look like. Because it's one thing, we're looking, really, what we're looking at is we're looking at the future and we're, we're praying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Jesus, please come. I need you today. I want you to come back. Jesus, I, I have to have you today. Will you please return? And then we're also looking at the past, and we're seeing what's it actually looked like for somebody to be like that. And then we're, going to look, we're looking at our present and saying, how do I be like that? So I want us to look at the story of Joseph uh, in the Old Testament, in Genesis. If you're not familiar, Joseph is an Old Testament. Uh, he's not quite a patriarch. I don't know. Steve, would you call Joseph a patriarch? I don't know. I think he's like right at that cuff. Ish. Ish. Patriarch-ish. <laughs> you know, it's like a junior patriarch. He's at the very end. Joseph is a young man, has this wild dream twice about like his parents and his family bowing down and worshiping him. And like any bright 17-year-old, he tells his family. His brothers, 11 of them, well, there's 10 at the time, not surprisingly, throw him in a well and sell him into slavery because that's how you deal with little brothers. (laughs) I've got four of them. I understand. If one of my little brothers came to me with a dream like that, I'd be like, oh, I had a dream too. So anyway, Joseph goes into slavery, right? And that's where we're going to pick up here. But but before we do, in Isaiah 26:3, God says through Isaiah, "You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you." The way that works in Hebrew, which I love, is, "Blessed is the uh, you will keep him in perfect shalom shalom, perfect, perfect peace peace, because their mind is stayed on you." So we're going to look at Joseph kind of briefly here. So the first thing is, is that a life that is at peace with God and is marked by the peace of God, or has, sorry, let me rephrase that. A life that is at peace with God and has the peace of God is marked by faithfulness. I want to look at uh, Genesis chapter 38, verses 8 and 9. It says, But he, Joseph, refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He has put everything that he has under my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept anything back from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? If you have little ones, this is where you want to cover their ears. What Joseph was talking about is his master's wife kept saying, sleep with me, sleep with me. And he was like, no, I I can't do that. Like, No, why? Because he's marked by peace with God. So he's marked by faithfulness. Joseph was put in charge of Potiphar's house as a slave, and he was faithful. Joseph was then put in charge of the prison, and he was faithful. Finally, Joseph was put in charge of all of Egypt, and he was faithful. A life that is at peace with God and has the peace of God is marked by faithfulness because you are not trying to get yours. You are content with what you have because you know that God is your great and mighty reward. And when we have Jesus, we have peace with God so we can be faithful. A life that is at peace with God and has the peace of God is marked by faithfulness and is marked by patience. Patience. Genesis chapters 39 through 41, we could look at that. We could see that Joseph was a slave and a prisoner for about 13 years. This is 13 years of patiently and faithfully serving wherever God had him. All this time, Joseph was patient and did what was in front of him. And he was not just faithful, but he was patiently faithful. Right? We can be faithful and just blind obedience and be like, fine, I'm just going to do it and not want to. Right? New Year's is coming up. I'm going to see a whole lot of people at the gym and you can do it and you can just go or you can go and enjoy it. Right. You know, we know this. This is life. Joseph was patient and faithful. God, I'm going to keep pushing forward. I know that I have peace with you. I know that you have peace with me. So I'm going to be patient. Now, here's the kicker is that he never stopped wanting to get out of prison. Just because you're being faithful and just because you're being patient doesn't mean you don't want to change a bad situation. Okay? Uh, Joseph says to um, the cupbearer, I believe, the baker hangs cupbearer, yeah. Uh, But when all goes well for you, remember that I was with you. Please show kindness to me by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Like, he was like, okay, here's where I'm at. I have peace with God. I know that God is with me. So I will be patient and I will be faithful. But if the opportunity comes to get out of jail, I want to get out of jail. Right? We have bad situations in our life. Maybe you work a job you don't like. But God has given you that job. Be thankful for that job. I'm speaking to myself more than anybody else here at this moment. Trust me. I have to continually go, but God, I'm thankful for the situation that you have me in. Uh. Did uh, did I talk about the Cory Ten Boom hiding place book recently? Okay, so uh, just one short thing, which I just popped into my head and re- I was reminded of. They were, uh, Cory Ten Boom, look it up yourself. Uh, she, <laughs> <laughs> she was in a concentration camp, and they had noticed at one point that the guards would not come into their room. And, I mean, the guards were mean all the time. It's a concentration camp. They were abusive. They, they were abusive. They were violent. But when for some reason, when the ladies were in their room, the guards would not come in their room. Well, one day she's in this prison room with her sister, and her sister remembers that Jesus has to be thankful in all situations. So her sister starts just naming things that she's thankful for in their situation. And she sees the fleas because the room is infested with fleas. And her sister says, and we're thankful for the fleas, Jesus. And so Corey says, yes, we're thankful for the fleas. And her sister says, no, God says to be thankful for all things. Well, come to find out later on the reason the guards didn't come in their room and they were able to like pass out medicine and have Bible study and have prayer time in their, in their room was because of the fleas. The thing that, that, that when they first walked in was what they noticed, that, oh, my God, how could you put us in this situation, was the thing that gave them the ability to witness and share the love of God with the other people. So so it doesn't mean they didn't want to get out of prison. It doesn't mean you don't want to get out of a bad situation, but it means that you're patient and and faithful in that moment because you have peace with God and you trust him. I don't like that at all. So a life that is at peace with God and has the peace of God is marked by faithfulness, it is marked by patience, and it is marked by generosity. Genesis 45:11. Joseph says there I will provide for you because there are yet five years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. Joseph knew that all he had and all that he had been through was because God's hand was on him, because he had peace with God and not because God was absent from the situation. As God's people, we are called to be generous with our time, talent and resources because we are a people marked by peace. A life that is at peace with God and has the peace of God is marked by faithfulness, it is marked by patience, it is marked by generosity, and it's marked by forgiveness. Genesis 50, verses 19 through 21, Joseph says, Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your little ones. After all that he had been through, Joseph chose to forgive because he was at peace. With God, and because he had the peace of God. He could forgive others because he knew he was in right relationship with God. Faithfulness, patience, generosity, and forgiveness. I believe these are some strong markers of a life at peace with God. And again, they're not condemnation. Because as I write them, as I preach them, I go, that one stings, Jesus. And he goes, good. That means you're paying attention. So the question is, 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 do we have this peace with God, and how do we get this peace with God? Well, it's simple. How do we get a peace with God that, that's with us in captivity, in prison, and when in charge? We have it because of Jesus. Jesus is our prince of peace. We, we look back to the one who came as a small baby, who was born in a manger, who, who grew in favor and wisdom with men who lived a sinless life and then died on a cross and rose again three days later to save our souls. Just as we sang, that is why we have peace. We have peace because the Prince of Peace came and brought it and gave it to us. And we look forward to his ultimate peace, and we live in the world that we are now as agents of that peace. But there is a difference between true peace and false peace. And I'm going to end here relatively. So... I don't know who's closing this out with worship, but good luck. (laughs) So here's the thing, right? There's this meme about uh, if Jesus can sleep on a boat in a storm, then you can sleep and have peace as well. And I like that. Like, that sounds good. I want to click like on that when I see that on Facebook. But it always reminds me of somebody else. It reminds me that Jonah slept in a boat during a storm. Jonah had peace. He had false peace. Jonah was running from God. Jesus was right where God had him to be. So there is this difference between true peace and false peace. Right? So a large bank account is nice, but it should not be your source of peace. A good job is nice, but it should not be your source of peace. Health is nice, but it should not be your source of peace. Family is nice, but it should not be our source of peace. Power is nice, but it should not be our source of peace. Jesus is our only source of peace because he is the one constant that does not change. Anything else that's going on can change, can flip, can come upside down. We could lose it all. My family has lost it many times. I know many of you have lost it many times. Everything you think you've got, all of a sudden, one thing happens. Job lays you off, and now everything's gone. Somebody you love dearly has now passed. If that's where we put our peace, is in anything that the world has to offer, it will fail you. Because it's false. So this week, as we go about our week, as we go about our days, I want us to ask do we have the peace that surpasses all understanding when everything's falling off around us do we have that true source of peace again it's guaranteed to us it's a guarantee it's a promise like when you buy something with a guarantee you like feel a little bit more confident like okay well Anything that happens, not a problem. I have a guarantee. Jesus is our guarantee because the promise comes from him. There's no interpretation that's needed. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives it. It's a guarantee, it's a promise. And I I was finding it funny, I was thinking about it. Uh, we were singing O Holy Night, and I seriously, I'm, I'm about done, so I don't know, Aaron, or um, Joy. Joy, I knew that, Joy. <laughs> I don't know who's closing us out, but you can come up. We were singing O Holy Night, and it's talking about the angels singing. And this week, I've been spending a lot of time with um, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. And some of the lyrics go, It came upon a midnight clear, that glorious song of old, from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on earth, goodwill to men from heaven's all-gracious king. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. I love that. I specifically love that the angels are constantly singing about this. Like that's their job, is they sing about it. They rejoice in it so much. And in this song it says, It came upon the midnight clear, that glorious song old So I wonder this morning during our response time if we stilled ourselves if we not not cut out the noise and distraction in our life but take it and give it to Jesus if we got still before him can we hear that glorious song of old This is peace on earth goodwill toward men from heaven's all-gracious king. That if we took whatever's going on in our life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, the frustrating, the scary, and we just bring it to him and say, Jesus, I don't have peace in this moment, but you promised that if I give you what I have, you'll give me your peace in exchange for that. I'm willing to bet he'll do it. So we'll have prayer teams on both sides. Uh, If you need prayer for peace, for anything else, come forward, give prayer. We have offering. Because we are a generous people. And sometimes that's what's holding us back. We have communion where we can come together as a family. Take communion and remember that Jesus died and rose again for us. So, respond how the Lord leads you.